Hey guys, welcome back. Um, this is Dental Unfiltered. I'm Matthew Brown. This is Dr. Andrew Vallow. We have a really uh, kind of ex- ex- one of my favorite subjects. And it's, you know, I got my practice, startup, whatever it might be. My doors are open. Now what? Um, you know, the, the, it just seems like, especially in the startup realm, docs have to make this operational tempo change from being an associate to running a practice. And it seems like you know, getting the practice open, getting through construction, design work, hiring staff then you like turn the key you walk in day one and you're like now i gotta find patience now what and i think this is a really important subject and it's a subject me and, me and andrew probably talk about on the phone all the time andrew you did a couple startups and you bought a practice and you've done this I, was, I haven't bought a practice you bought oh okay, it wasn't really a buy the, the implant practice was a buy but wasn't no, it wasn't. It was. It, we just took over a shell of a practice. Yeah, it was a shell it of a practice. So, I mean, there's yeah. there's no patience. It was a startup. Yeah. It was yeah. a startup. So you've done a few startups now, right? And yeah. your first experience of um, open now what? What was that like for you? Yeah, guys. So I'll take you all the way back to April thirteenth, twenty twenty one. That was the day that we opened the doors of my first startup, the Dental Boutique West Chase. It's a very exciting time it's 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 a very emotional time it's a scary time too so you know i i think we spend all this time preparing to open our doors of a startup i first signed on with ideal practices in june of 2019 so it took almost two years uh to find the commercial that was a big part of it find the commercial real estate but to, to find the commercial real estate design the floor plan sign the lease uh you know get the permitting start the build out uh, all that stuff and after that long period, uh, we finally got to that day and our doors opened and we started seeing patients. Um, and so as you know, Matt had kind of preference, like, what do you do now? Like, you know, you, you, you open the doors, you're, you're a business, you're a dental practice, but how do you, fun- like, how does that first 30 days, how do you function? You know, I, I think a big part of it is how did you plan for this moment? So, you know, if, if, if you're not intentional in the months and weeks leading up to opening, uh, it, it could be a totally different scenario. You know, unfortunately, uh, startups get a tough rap because oftentimes it takes a long time to build any traction. You know, I, I, I've spoken with a lot of docs who open their startup and, you know, the first month they're only seeing a handful of patients. They've got days where there's no patients on the schedule or one patient on the schedule. You know, they're only open maybe two to at most three days a week, but they're still associating two or three days a week somewhere else to try to, you know, make ends meet. Um, so, you know, the, the number one factor and like, what do you do after opening the doors is dependent on like, how did you prepare to open? How did you market? Did you ground market? Did you spend money on marketing? Did you pre-book and pre-schedule patients before you open the door? Because um, that's huge. And, you know, we, we had pre-booked, I don't remember the exact number, but I think it was somewhere around a hundred patients. Uh, we, we had a, a fairly full schedule those first few weeks before we even opened our doors. And that, and that makes a big difference because, you know, at that point in time, now you're opening as truly a dental practice versus opening, uh, you know, as, as this empty office, uh, trying to figure out how to get patients in the door. So I would say the most important thing is as you're, putting those finishing touches on your build out and, you know, dotting your, t- uh, dotting your I's, crossing your T's, make sure you're also being intentional, doing some ground marketing, 
you want to get your schedule open early and, and something that you can often do something I'm actually doing for uh, startups three and four here right now, uh, as we're actually, hopefully they will be open by the time this airs, but we had our IT company, uh, get our server ahead of time and they remotely set it up at their location at their headquarters uh, with a computer Ooh, monitor so that so we smart. we got team viewers set up. I can right now, you know, practice isn't, isn't open yet. We don't even have our CEO yet. You know, we're, we're still in oh, December as we're recording wow. this episode, but I can right now on my laptop right here, remote into the software for these new offices that aren't even open yet. And I could put a patient on the schedule if I wanted to. So that's, that's huge especially so smart especially if you're not going to have your computer set up long before actually opening your door so it, you know if, if you're nearing the end of a startup right now and you're trying to figure out you know when to start scheduling patients i would talk to your it company and see if that's something they can do for you um because that can be really really helpful um and i would i would set it up at probably at least a month before you think you're going to open um, you don't necessarily have to start scheduling patients quite that soon if you don't want to, but I would, I would get it set up, get in a team viewer, order your open dental or whatever uh, dental software you're going to use, get that set up, order, you know, flex or whatever patient communication software you're going to use, get that set up so that when you book a when you book patients, they're getting these email confirmations and stuff saying, Hey, you booked an appointment. We can't wait to see you. Um, so I would pre set up all that computer stuff ahead of time. And once you have it set up, I would also then set up your call center. I highly recommend using a call center as a startup. 100% worth it. Way I can't better. I tell you how important that is, guys. Listen to Dr. Ballo. Go to Golden Goose or one of the other services. We develop phone calls for practices all the time. And it'll be like 4.35 in the afternoon, someone calls. No one answers. Same person calls back at 5.25. No one answers. Because it's after 4 o'clock, after business hours. Guys, consumers contact you when it's convenient for them not when it's convenient for you. You don't want to pay a random person to try to answer a phone for you before no. you're open. You don't want to have the phones tracked to your cell phone and you personally, I mean, you're dealing with a million different things right then. It's not worth it. It doesn't cost that much. Hire a call center, ideally one specific to dental. We, we do like Golden Goose. I've been using them for years. Dr. Phelps does a really great job there, but call some of them, call some of the call centers or, you know, talk to some of them, you know, see, see what you see, who you feel like might be a good fit for you. Um, but I would highly recommend getting a call center set up before you open your practice. So now at this point in time, you know, you, you're maybe three weeks out, you've got the call center set up, you've got your software set up. That is when I would turn my marketing on. And, and hopefully you've already done some ground marketing. Hopefully you've collected potential interested patients, email addresses and phone numbers. Uh, so now you can start sending out email blasts saying, hey, great news. We're planning to open on this day. Just send us an email back if you'd like to schedule an appointment. Or you can actually call our office and uh, we can schedule your appointment now, even though we're not open. So now you're giving them multiple options to try to schedule that appointment. If you do those things right, you start spending money on marketing. When I say spend money on marketing, I'm not talking a couple hundred dollars, guys. When, when you open a startup, you need to budget for marketing, I would recommend at least $5,000 before you open your doors. And then at that point, I would recommend spending at least $5,000 a month, those first six months or so. Um, for, for my startups, uh, that's about what we did. And honestly, in hindsight, I probably would have spent more. And for the new startups, I'm budgeting more than that, uh, probably closer to $10,000 a month because I know how much faster we can grow. Uh, marketing is one of the 
few things that is not a true expense in dentistry, it's a uh, investment. So if you, if you do the right kind of marketing, you, you know, you work with a good marketing company, uh, you're targeting the right type of patients, the right type of ads, you're using the right mediums to do it. Marketing should be an investment. So, you know, for every dollar you spend, you should get more than a dollar back. Um, so that's, that, that's a mindset shift that you guys need to go through. You know, mar marketing is not like supplies. It's not like lab bills. It's not like payroll. Um, it's, it's the one expense that truly should return more than what you're spending on it. So one part of the problem is, the, so from the guy that asks for the marketing dollars and tries to explain the justification for it, people go into marketing dollars with a mentality of gambling and they're kind of like, I don't want to lose that much money on marketing every month. They go in with that, with that mindset already, right? And when you go with that mindset already, you're just the way you approach it's bad. It, it is yeah. truly investment. And when you're a startup, you can't afford to not do it. So, so, so you, the number one fear of a startup doc that I've experienced is they're like, hey, I'm going I'm to build this practice. I'm going to open my doors day one. And then I'm going to sit next to my front desk person and look at a blank schedule and do busy work <laughs> and say, what do I do now? Like when I say that is their number one fear, that is their number one fear. Now, listen. Unfortunately, Matt, I would imagine that's a lot of the dental startup stories oh. is yeah, <clears> sitting there startup. looking at this computer screen, thinking about how you're spending money on payroll for those couple employees you have that that's nothing's happening for. So, yeah, guys, you know, it, we've said this multiple times, but for those of you that think you can't afford to spend money on marketing as a startup, my take is you can't afford not to spend money on marketing as a startup, especially if you want to grow fast. So like how your first 30 days are going to go is very dependent on how intentional you were. Did you pre-set up all your software and your scheduling? Did you get a call center set up that can answer the phone six or seven days a week with extended hours? Did you spend money on marketing ahead of time? Did you do some ground marketing and, and collect a, you know, we call them VIP lists, but did you collect, you know, patient names, phone numbers, email addresses ahead of time? Uh, you know, all that stuff's huge. Um, and it's, it's going to really change, you know, the trajectory at the beginning of your practice. Now, let's say you did those things, you know, so where I was sitting, it's, you know, again, April 13th, 2021, we start seeing patients, we've got pretty full schedule. So what does a full schedule look like as a startup practice? Well, for us, I was adamant about having a full-time dental hygienist from day one. So we opened the practice three days a week. Uh, we were Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday when we first opened. And I had a hygienist there Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday with me. So all of the patients that were scheduled were actually starting in hygiene at that point. So we had one hygienist running two columns. We had staggered appointments scheduled for an hour and a half each. And we had two dental assistants and what basically what was happening is the dental assistants were doing the x-rays, doing the iTero scans, uh, you know, going over any questions with patients, you know, getting stuff set up. So that way, as soon as the hygienist came into that appointment, she could do the perio charting, diagnose type of cleaning needed and jump right into the cleaning. Typically cleanings were happening the same day. And that's how I would recommend it for the startup. We don't do it that way anymore as the practices have matured. But that is how I'm going to do it for the new startups you know, until we build a recall system. Yeah. So when your startup, as your schedule density changes, you have to adapt, right? So one thing I have seen happen with startups is their schedule density changes, but they say, I don't want to change this process because it is what it is. And then that process that got you to that point of schedule density now can also be the process that limits you growing any further. So like you right. said, you have to constantly adapt 
So like as you hit that that level of schedule density, where we're dense now, now you don't do same day cleanings, because right. it doesn't make sense. Exactly. So you know you, you you do as as a dental office, you need to adapt as you grow. Systems need to change, protocols need to change. But in the beginning, I do recommend that. I recommend two columns, one hygienist, stagger the appointments, do some sort of assisted hygiene, and try to do the cleanings the same day. Uh, oftentimes with that appointment schedule, they would even have time to do like two quads of SRP if the patient needed it that day, but sometimes not. Sometimes they schedule them back. Now, another note on those appointments, make sure you guys are setting yourselves up for success from day one by reappointing or pre-appointing that next hygiene appointment before that patient leaves. So this is something that is really important in dentistry. Um, it's something that's often overlooked. And I'll tell you when we first opened my first startup, I wasn't paying enough attention to it. So our pre-appointment rate was way too low. It should be, well, for new patients, you know, it maybe is a little bit lower, uh, but for existing patients, you should be pre-appointing at least 90% of them uh, for their next cleaning appointment before they leave. For new patients, you know, they say number you're shooting for is maybe 75, 80%. But the majority of those patients should definitely be pre-appointed. So now you're already starting to build your recall schedule for six months from now. That's huge. What else, you know, are, are we trying to get from so, these days here? Oh, go ahead, Matt. So, so one thing I, I'd happened one time, sometimes when we're leading up to the startup being open, our, our mindset's one way versus another. I, I had a, a doc who, I was away on a scuba diving trip. It was her and her husband. She was the doc. And we were, we were meeting, made time for her on my trip. And she said on the on the call, she said, I can't wait till the hard part's over. <clears throat> so what's, what's yeah. the hard part? She goes, the getting open. I was like, oh, no, no, that's not the hard part. The hard part's coming. And it's 10 times harder than getting open if you've never owned a practice. Guys, the getting open is the fun, exciting time. You got to well. prepare yourself. <laughs> I, I think it is. I think, I, I think out of the two, it's the most exciting times. You're picking things. You're, you're, you're going to check the progress of the practice as it's getting built. You're hiring staff yeah. with lots of new relationships. I don't. I, think, I, I don't know. I think I for a lot of docs, once they open, that. it's the hardest. <laughs> okay. So listen, I just think for a lot of docs, the hardest part starts when they open. I think you're absolutely right in this in the fact that a lot of docs think getting open is a hard part, and they don't really think beyond that. So that that's that's definitely uh, something important. Is that I, I do think it's a challenge to open a startup. You know, again, this will be my fourth one I'm opening here. So I, it is guys. It, it's stressful to open a startup. I don't think it's necessarily a fun time per se. Yeah, there's some excitement to it, but just realize that that's only the beginning of the battle. And when you open the doors, that's when all the other stuff starts. So, I mean, it's, it's a different type of challenge opening a startup versus, you know, running a startup business and growing a startup business, but it's still a challenge. And, and you have to think about what's going to happen when you open your doors. If you're so focused on just getting the doors open and you're not thinking about what your schedule is going to look like, what your team's going to look like, how you're going to be profitable from day one, all that stuff, you're probably not going to be. So you, you have to think about this stuff ahead of time. You can't just figure it out when you open. I mean, you can, and a lot of people do, but it's, it's going to really stunt your growth. So uh, again, really important, set things up ahead of time, hire a hygienist from day one, guys. If there's one piece of advice that I always love to give startup docs, it's hire a full-time hygienist from day one. And it is like totally against the grain. You know, I'm a salmon swimming upstream here with this. 
uh, most of the experts, most of the banks, mo you know, a lot of the consultants will say, oh, save your money. You can't afford it. You got to do your own hygiene. No, don't do that, guys, for multiple reasons. One, do you want, you know, do you really want to do your own hygiene? I know I didn't want to do that. Uh, two, do your patients really want you doing their hygiene? Because I'll tell you what, I hadn't done a single cleaning since dental school. Uh, and even in dental school, I only did so many. So like, who do you think is going to give a better dental cleaning? Uh, and I'm sorry if your ego thinks I'm a dentist, I can clean teeth better than a hygienist. That's probably not true. I know I can't. I know all of my dental hygienists do a much better job than I would do cleaning someone's teeth. So do you, don't you want to give your patient the experience of someone who's been cleaning teeth for years uh, and can provide a professional dental cleaning experience versus you trying to go in there and rush through it? Third of all, and honestly, probably the most important thing is how are you going to have time to do any of the dentistry if you're cleaning teeth all day? And the answer is you're not. <laughs> so if you want your practice to grow quickly and you want to be profitable and you want to, you know, do 70, 80, hundred thousand dollars a month, pretty quick out the gate, you need to be available to do the dentistry, which means you need somebody else in there doing the dental cleaning. So Number one piece of advice, there's a lot of people out there that will say I'm wrong, but again, I think I've proven it with my multiple multi-million dollar startups. The best thing to do is to hire a hygienist from the beginning. So, so that kind of goes back to mindset too, Andrew, because I have a lot of docs who like I'll do with the pre-interview with them with us and they'll say, I'm doing a startup. I'm going to start out with two clinical days a week and three days a week of my job and then try to slide my schedule over. I think that's a really bad idea. I think it's yep. it's part-time effort, part-time results. Kind of like, yep. I, I think there's, when you do a startup, I think there's a mentality that has to be an all-in mentality. Listen, you're starting without patience. If you're not all-in, you're increasing your probability of, of not being successful by a lot, right? So it's like you have, like, part-time effort, part-time results. Like, listen, if you want your startup to flourish, you need to work in your startup. As You need to be, you need to be there more hours probably than anywhere else. And you're right. Like, you can't do the dental if you're doing the hygiene. A startup is an all-in, win or lose. There's a, a military saying, or actually pretty common, where people say like, like a burning desire, right? Like you're going to do it with a burning desire. Well, that that comes from when the Spanish were conquering, They sometimes they would burn the ships as they were breaching the shoreline, and their warriors would turn around and see the ships were burning. Well, if you can't retreat and there's no safety net, the only option is success, Right? When you do things like, well, I'll, I'll save money and do my own hygiene, and I'll work two days a week at my at my associateship or three days a week. What you're doing is creating a safety net that won't allow you a scenario where it's live or die, success is on you. And what it does is it mitigates that burning desire to actually have it work. Now, if we take you and say you don't have an option to work two or three days a week as an associate, you do have to have a hygienist, and now this pressure is on you to succeed, the best of you will come out and you'll find a way to succeed. I think that's great, Matt. Uh, yeah, guys, you know, I get it. Like you took out a big loan. Uh, hopefully you took out as much as the banks would give you. Cause I think that's another mistake dentists make is they, they're like, Oh, I don't want to take out too much. I don't want to take on too much. Always debt. pay it back. Take it and back. now they're, they're stretched thin trying to get this. And honestly, I don't think banks should allow it. They should be like, Hey, if you're going to do the startup, you need to take out X amount of dollars because we want you to succeed. Like that's, that's how they should think. But the max I could get at the time was 600 grand. I took the full 600 grand and I'm glad that I did. 
um, because it allowed me to do these things. You know, it gave me some working capital for marketing and for payroll so that I could afford the hygienists and stuff. Guys, the easiest way to save money is to produce more money. It's a lot easier to have better margins, better overhead when you're producing $100,000 plus a month than when you're producing $30,000 a month. It's very challenging to run a profitable business, a profitable dental office, if, you know, if you're only doing $20,000, dollars $40,000 a month. So invest the money in the right things that are going to turn ROI like team members. We had one hygienist, two dental assistants, one front office right from the get-go, all full-time. We filled the schedule pretty much. Hygiene and assistants are running nonstop with these new patients. And guess what, guys? When I went into these exams, I didn't have any treatment scheduled. So anybody that needed treatment, hey, do you want to get it done today so you don't have to come back for another appointment? You know what? A lot of them said, that would be great. Let's do it. So we had treatment on the schedule right away that first week because we were flipping same day treatment because I had nothing else to do. That is a much better model than you're running around like crazy cleaning teeth all day and people need treatment. And you're thinking like, oh, wow, I spent all this money on marketing and I booked out all these new patients. And I'm booked out for the next month, so I don't have any openings to do treatment. So we're going to have to wait a month or two to do your treatment. That's that's not, not a good win scenario. for anybody. That's not good for the no patient. Point. That's not good for you. It's not good for the practice. So, no. If we go back to our mission, you know, sometimes docs have problems making some of these decisions. Like I'll be on with them, and, I'll, and they'll be like, well, "I don't know. Should I do this or should I do that?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm like, what's our mission? Our mission is to do what's best for the patient all the time." Yeah. What's best for the patient all the time is for you to have hygienists and you better get to their needs as fast as possible. Yep. It's never good for the if, if we're truly patient centric, right? So if we truly care about our patient, we should that that should be the attitude. And a lot of yeah. times docs docs will hear guys like me and you talk about like you know our, our our one podcast about you know being salesy and that kind of stuff. And and they look at us and they go, Oh, these guys are you know dental salespeople and it, it's kind of some dirtiness thrown on top of it. We're not. We, we do it with the spirit of what gets the patient to their needs as fast as possible to get ahead of the dental problem. Think about it, what you're saying is provide the right structure and facilities and resources that we're not booking patients two months out, that we're diagnosing the problem, we're getting it done, we're getting the hygiene done, and we're getting ahead of the dental problem as soon as possible and stopping that war with decay. And it yeah. also happens to be what's business best, right? There's this thing in dental of like, What's business best isn't patient best. Incorrect. Anything that's patient best, if you're pursuing it properly, is what's business best. Yep. So net, you know, next orders of business, running two columns, one hygienist, you're flipping same day treatment, you're scheduling treatment. You need to make sure that you're getting paid. So, you know, right from the very beginning, guys, make sure that you have strong financial policies. Make sure that you're collecting for the work that you're doing. So you're not having to bill patients later. <clears throat> Make sure that you're taking deposits to schedule treatment appointments so that patients actually that. show up did, to them. Did you, did you do that in the beginning, the very beginning? Like day one? Not the very beginning, but I wish I would have. Uh, because I'll tell you what, when the patient is there and they want to do treatment, if you can't do it that day, if they put a deposit down, they have some skin in the game, they're, they're much more likely to keep that appointment. And if your deposit is relatively small. We used to do $50. Now we do 20% of treatment um, or 50, whatever's higher. But if they have some skin in the game, they're a lot less likely to break that appointment. So I would recommend from day one, if they're not doing same day treatment, take some kind of deposit so that they have some skin in the game for that appointment. So they're not going to no show you. 
make sure that you have your insurance's credential uh, and make sure that you have somebody, either you have somebody in office that is experienced and knowledgeable. Once again, I hear of docs trying to save a few bucks and hire somebody who's new to the dental field or maybe a dental assistant you know, for a front desk position who's never uh, done that before. Guys, if you have, if, if you're in there and you don't really know how dental insurance works and you've got somebody else in there who doesn't really know how dental insurance works, it's going to be the blind leading the blind. You're going to miss out on thousands and thousands of dollars of dental insurance reimbursement if you're not properly coding and billing and checking on claims and, and uh, appealing denied claims and things like that. So you either need to hire somebody up front who has some decent dental insurance front office experience, or you need to outsource a dental insurance, which could be a good option at the beginning as well. So again, I understand you only have so much in your budget, but there are some pretty great companies that do dental insurance verification, dental insurance billing. Uh, you could even outsource half of it. You know, we right now at my office, we're actually outsourcing the verification and we've brought some of the billing back in house because as our infrastructure's kind of grown, we've had some, you know, more uh, room to do that. But my point is make sure that there's somebody that knows what they're doing that's handling your dental insurance. Make sure as you're planning your startup that you're trying to negotiate and credential and get a network with insurances at least six months in advance, if not longer, as soon as you sign the lease is when I would start. Cause that's, that's when the insurance will start letting you credential. You know, we've talked about fee for service versus PPO in network startups before my advice, if you want to grow your startup fairly quickly, you should network with PPO insurances. It doesn't mean you have to do it forever but it lowers barriers and it opens the patient pool to way more patients. Cause there are a lot as great as you think you are, as great as your mom thinks you are, uh, you might be the best dentist in town, but there are still a lot of patients that want to utilize their full insurance benefits. And they're going to immediately exclude your office because you're not in network with their plan. So, you know well, what, if your, your office doesn't even exist because they're looking at a list yep. of providers in the area and you're not on that list at all. Yeah, like it's not like they're going to exclude you. They're not making a decision to say, "I'm not coming to Dental Boutique of West Chase." Well, what they're saying is they're, right. they're looking at a list where you don't exist. Or there's there's some people that look on Google and find an office, but then what's the first thing that they're going to ask is, "Do you take, do you my, take insurance? my insurance?" So, you know, guys, if you're trying to build a niche practice, a boutique practice, if you're not focused on quick growth, you know, you don't want to have an associate someday, things like that. You you don't mind associating at another practice for a while. That's fine. I mean, you can do it. And, it. and like, in all fairness, I do know of some docs that have done fee-for-service startups and been very successful out of the gate, but quite often they're in very remote areas. You know, they're, they're not in a competitive city like Tampa where there's, you know, 20 dentists to choose from on the street. So, you know, I get it that everyone has their issues with dental insurance. I don't love some of the reimbursements, although we did negotiate most of our plans and most of them actually do pay us a pretty decent amount of our uh ucr fees so delta dental is still the one kind of terrible one but you know it is what it is so a lot of times too andrew when docs do a startup and the you know what what now thing docs come from a place where they're an associate sometimes corporate sometimes a private practice but generally someone's lining up all their work they come in in the morning during morning huddle they find out what their day looks like they work through all this work right so you spend three or four or five years in that scenario where your op tempo is come in, list the patient, drill and fill, 
maybe some crowns, and then all of a sudden you do a startup, and now the operational tempo is, hey, I have to earn all these patients' trust when someone else was already doing that. Now, instead of having a full days of work lined up, you have days of consultations, sometimes five, sometimes 10, sometimes two, and you're actually kind of selling yourself over and over again and going on, or going on like first dates with new patients. Now, a lot of times docs don't realize like that's going to be the first six months or so of owning a practice, and no one's ever told them that. So when you were yeah. making that switch from working in a practice to that kind of never-ending consult life, because that's, that's how the new patient relationship starts, right? How hard was that op-tempo change? And were you prepared? Did you do anything to prepare for it? Or were you just surprised by it? What was it like for you? Honestly, Matt, I was excited for it because I finally had control over <clears throat> that new patient experience. Whereas as an associate, you don't have a whole lot of, you have control over your interaction with the patient. But I think you're right. First impressions are crucial for anybody, but especially for a new practice, because you're hoping all these patients are going to become long-term patients because you have zero patients when you open your doors. Even the ones on the schedule aren't really your patients. Like you may have a hundred patients booked. They're not really your patients yet. They're giving you a try. They're, they're coming to see if they like you. So obviously, you know, you want to have a great bedside manner. You want to build rapport with the patient. You want to thank them for, you know, choosing your, your business and tell them how happy you are that they're there. But make sure that you're designing a very intentional new patient experience. You know, we've, we've talked about new patient experience multiple times, but make sure that you put detail into every step of their visit. So, you know, from the time they arrive, what your practice looks like, what it feels like, what it smells like, how long they're waiting, uh, you know, little touches like when we first opened and we weren't using all of our treatment rooms, I've mentioned before, we had massage chairs in the empty rooms. So if a patient came in, and we got a little bit backed up because we had, you know, done some same day dentistry or we squeezed in a uh, same day SRP on a new patient or something. We'd say, hey, and we wouldn't even ask them. We'd be like, hey, we're going to bring you back. We're going to have you if there's paperwork to fill or whatever, you know, we're going to have you do this here. Uh, we've got our, our private lounge area that we're going to have you come back to. And so we would literally put them in a massage chair and we would hand them the remote with Netflix on and say, here, you can pick whatever you want to watch. Uh, if we haven't already, then we're going to, you know, see it. Oh, do you, do you want an espresso or a cappuccino? Would you like a sparkling LaCroix water? So, I mean, that's huge that even if they waited the same amount of time, you know, even if they waited a half hour in the waiting room where they, which we call the lounge too, but we call it the lounge and the, and the patient lounge and the private lounge, but they waited a half hour up front. They waited a half hour in the, in the little private lounge and massage share. It's going to feel like a totally different experience to them. So <clears throat> think about so things like that. So go, so go back to it. You know, a lot of practices like they have these comfort items, and this is, goes back to our, our new patient experience episode, but this is such an important subject. It's going to keep coming up forever. You, you don't ask them what they want. You don't wait for them to ask. You provide a level of experience that is the West Chase experience. Right. Yep. And, and that's such a, such a failure in practices. I'll be in practices, and they're like, I have heated blankets. We have, we have blankets for our patients. I'll be like, can I see them? And they'll show them to me. Like, man, they look brand new. They're like embroidered with their logo and everything. Like, do you guys just buy lots of new ones? Because if you use them every day, they'd look worn or used a little bit. And like, oh, yeah, we hardly offer them. Shouldn't be offering them. Shouldn't be waiting to ask. You should be providing a level of experience. Yep. And that's the standard in the practice. And I think it's something that you kind of understood from the beginning is it's, it's not like, would you like to go to the massage chair? They're never going to use. Right. What it is like, hey. The next step is we're going to take you to your private lounge. You can get relaxed, yeah. ready, and, and then we're going to have you ready in the, in the chair. 
Nobody's going to tell you no. They're, no you know, if, if no, you tell them, to go along with the, with the experience. Hey, 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 Mrs. Jones, I'm going to take you back here now. We're going to take you to the private lounge area. Um, you know, blah blah blah. No one's going to be like, no, I'm I'm just going to wait up here. So, but again, if you ask them, like, hey, we have a massage chair. Would you rather sit there? Like, sometimes people feel like it's an inconvenience. Oh no, I'm okay. Like, you don't need to take me back there. So, like, don't like if you have those amenities, just like provide them. You know, don't. I, I know I feel the same way. Sometimes I go somewhere and like they have, you know, free drinks or free whatever. And you're like, uh, like, cause you're like, you almost feel guilty, like causing extra work for the people or whatever it is. So like, that's just our human nature. A lot of, a lot of people, like they, they don't want to impose. So if you ask them, they may just say, no, I'm okay. When in reality, they actually would have loved that. Just provide it, just provide that experience. Other things that are important guys, Make sure that you have financing options in place from day one uh, and not just one, you know, not just care credit. There's so many out there now. There's subprime lending. I would recommend having at least three different options. You know, we three, three is the rule I recommend between the offices. Three. We've got, you know, a, a handful of different ones in each office. You want to have those pre set up. So from day one, I mean, you might see someone on day one that needs a full mouth rehab. And they may love your new practice and the experience and all that stuff, but they might not have, you know, the tens of thousands of dollars for their treatments. If you give them a financing option where they can get finance for, they may be ready to move forward on, on day one. So don't wait on financing options. Make sure you have those available right at the beginning. The other thing that you guys want to be doing from day one is asking for Google reviews. So we had a whole episode about how my office got 1500 Google reviews in two years. Go back and listen to it if you haven't already, but quick advice, sign up for one of the automated services. I use Swell. It works great. Make sure that you have systems in place and verbiage in place to ask the patients for reviews, especially when you're a new business. I feel like people are even more inclined to want to help you out. Hey, you know, so we're, you know, we're a newer office. Uh, we're family owned. You know, this is my, my practice. I build it here. Uh, you know, tell your story. If you had a great experience, would you mind you know, taking a few minutes and, and sharing that? You know, as, as a practice grows, like I, you know, I'm not normally asking patients for reviews unless they say something like super nice. And I might, I might joke and say, Hey, can you write that on Google for me? Usually it's our front office team, but like in the beginning, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for the doctors to actually ask the patients for their reviews. You know, like, again, it's, it's your office, it's your story. You know, you're, you're a new part of this community. Hey, as a small business owner, it would really mean a lot to me if you would take a few minutes and leave us a Google review. If, if you could share your experience with friends and family, you know, refer others to us. That honestly was a big part of why I think we grew so fast because right out the gate, we were getting multiple Google reviews every single day. And before you knew it, we had over a hundred Google reviews and we started jumping the ranks of other, there are practices that have been around for 20 years that had like 15 reviews or 30 reviews or whatever. So we start leapfrogging these other practices in the area because right from the beginning, we were very intentional. We had the software we're asking for reviews. So that's something else you guys should be thinking about from day one to help you grow quickly. Google, Google prioritizes review for how you show up in the map results after location and consumers prioritize reviews for deciding where they give their money. So if oh, you're yeah. not putting, if you're not putting reviews as a priority, there's a serious failure in your thinking. If you think about it, I say this with us all the time. We go in the review, the review uh, subject. I'm like, is everything in your life that you purchased over $20 impacted by a review? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, dentistry. <laughs> like, 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 yes. I mean, it's a whole experience. It's healthcare. Like, like how do you not realize that, 
the review thing isn't uh oh i did it it's a forever it's like brushing your teeth and flossing like you're just that's just it now in modern business today the entire digital ecosystem is designed for the patient to find their preferred dentist or a consumer to find the system, the product or service that they prefer it's not designed for the patient to find the the doc to find the ideal patient so if we're not the number one tool is reviews after yeah. convenience of access right yeah. so if we're not focusing on that we're not like we're not starting the beginning of the patient experience properly because us building reviews from past patients is the beginning of the new patient experience oh yeah absolutely La last couple things i want to talk about Don't here guys we'll wrap it up so if you hadn't already pulled the trigger on quitting your associate job because you know just do it well yes just do it. i mean my advice a thousand percent you should do it by the time you open your doors i did oh, i had already 100%. cut ties you know matt's talking about working in and on your business guys that's huge this this is uh, the beginning of a startup is a grind phase of your career we talked to dr costas about that uh, you know i i had the mentality which i've heard dr costas say before and this is the same way i feel like nobody's gonna outwork me i can outwork anybody um yeah. when we first opened the practice i mean i was working 100 hours a week plus and i was only seeing patients three days a week because every day i wasn't in the practice seeing patients i was working on something for the business i was you know starting to build something out looking at our next area of growth working on marketing you know what whatever it is guys there's a million things to do especially when you have a smaller team at the beginning and less that you can delegate so if if you're working in another office three days a week and your practice is open yourself. three days a week you have no time to work on your business it's mm -hmm. going to really stifle your growth so if if you're too fearful to do that before you open your doors as soon as your business starts to gain even a little bit of traction as soon as you start to, you know, maybe turn a little bit of profit, bring some revenue in, quit that job as quickly as possible. It's going to allow you to grow a lot faster. Um, other thing, guys, is you want to think about the future ahead of time. So oftentimes dentists will wait until a situation occurs that makes them expand their practice or, or hire that next employee. You want to hire for the practice you want tomorrow today. You want to add that next treatment room long before you think really think you need it because it takes time to get there so you know sometimes sometimes chairs are on back order sometimes it can take three four months to get a new dental chair installed so you know if if you wait until you're like busting at the seams and you really need another room you're going to put yourself even behind you're going to slow your growth so that's my recommendation we started with four operatories equipped uh, i ordered the fifth operatory like two or three months into our practice uh, and the reason for that was because at the time I knew it was going to be about three months to get the chair in and I could see how, how many new patients we were seeing, how quick we were growing. I wanted to add a second full-time hygienist in order to do that. I needed another treatment room because I wanted three for the doctor's side. So what we did is we added that room and I added another hygienist and we cut down each hygienist to one full column. And honestly, things just kept on growing. So like, these are fearful moments, guys, you know, anytime that you try to quickly expand, grow your practice, uh, especially as a newer startup, it can feel like you're taking a pretty big risk. But I'll tell you every single time I made one of those decisions, it was the right decision and it helped us grow faster. So think about things like when you might want to hire another employee, another assistant, another uh, front office personnel and another hygienist. Think about when you want to add other treatment rooms. Um, and start planning that way, well ahead of time so that, you know, when you're there, you have it at your disposal 
that is how we were able to grow as fast as we did. So, so guys, we're going to wrap this up now. Um, you know, the whole now what thing, there's a whole lot of what's once you get open. I think one of the biggest killers that Doc's getting back to is part-time effort ultimately does yield part-time results. You need to be focused. If you're going to take all this risk, right, one of the worst things I think you can do to mitigate your success is over-mitigate certain risks. Because it's just, just real simple logic. If you're only working two to three days a week in your startup, that is only the level of opportunity you can get. If you're doing four days a week in your startup rather than two, then you have double the opportunity level because you have double the schedule to work with. So just think about it that way. If you really want to grow your practice, working in your associateship is going to limit the amount of schedule availability you have for the amount of opportunity you can handle. If you want to capture all that opportunity, don't over-mitigate certain risks and inadvertently, indirectly, mitigate your, your, your opportunity for success and make it smaller. So, hey, guys, this was a great episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you guys enjoy it and have a great day. Thanks, guys.